Hey everybody, this is Len, aka The Bad Tribble, um, on the Michelle mission here. I just want to give everybody a heads up that there is some audio feedback and buzzing in this episode of the Michelle mission that I tried, though I might, I was unable to remove from the recording. Uh, we recently have had a change in the venue where we record the show and thus that has that has presented some audio challenges that we are working very hard to correct uh, i'm sorry they seem to have creeped their way into the last couple of episodes uh, we hope to have them straightened out in time for all succeeding episodes going forward okay all right thank you enjoy the show Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Triple. And as always, I am joined by uh, this is Vincent Williams. It's all soul Wednesdays, eight to ten on GTownRadio.com. Today, we are continuing our march through October horror October. As we look at uh, black cinema of the scary variety, and we couldn't do that justice without having a very special guest with us. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Ashley of the Girls Will Be Ghouls podcast. All right. Hi. As well as Graveyard Shift Sisters. Hey, Ashley, how you doing? Hey. Hi, thank welcome, you for welcome. having me. You are very welcome. Our pleasure. You're very welcome. And um, as our guest, Ashley chose the film that we will be reviewing this evening, which is... Ganja and Hess. Ganja and Hess. Ganja and Hess. From 1973, Three. right? That's right. Yeah, this is, a, this is a very weird piece of cinema, if I do say so myself. Um, but I'm looking forward to, to us uh, getting into this and find out exactly why you picked this, Ashley, and exactly think of this um but for our listeners on the michelle mission who may not be familiar with what girls will be ghouls is all about give them a 30 second pitch on the podcast basically it's two black women talking about the intersectionality of horror films and we also cover the themes in horror culture okay what do you mean of the intersectionality of so diversity, you know, uh, who's represented and how they're represented as far as gender and race, more specifically. Very nice. Ooh. Very nice. You can have fun with that. With Absolutely. Horror. Pop quiz. Night of the Living Dead. I'd say it's a black film. I would give you that. Boom. In your face, Lynn. In your face. I think mostly for the cultural impact, for sure. I say the last five minutes of it retroactively makes it black i've heard that you're not the first person to say that argument so i will i can definitely see that for sure we gotta do night of living dead she said she could see the argument <laughs> she didn't say she agrees with the argument she just says she can okay. see the argument all right i'm just saying because it was more accidental how it, everything kind of transpired like you know i i'll give romero 
I, I, I will believe him when he says he didn't intend on casting a black male for the role. Like it was anyone's role. So I'll give him that. But Dwayne Jones brought something to it that made it a, a, a bigger movie than it actually. Than I think he, I think even Romero imagined when he first did it. So that makes any sense. And we're going to have some fun seeing whether or not Dwayne Jones brings that same type of gravitas to Ganja and Hess in just a minute. But first, we have to get through some of the feedback that we have gotten back from all of our listeners. We appreciate all the feedback that we get, either via email at michellemission at gmail.com or on Twitter uh, at Mission Michelle or on our Facebook like page, um, which is Michelle Mission. I, I have a question I wanted to ask you, Vince. Yes, sir. When you think of like you know how the way we always talk about it like the Michelle Mission that it's a two man one podcast every black film ever made is there like any type of particular imagery that that comes to mind when you think of it think what is the it you're referring of the the podcast itself yeah. me and yeah. you how we conduct this I'm not sure what the it is well I, I guess I I don't know maybe if I'm asking it correctly but for me, anyway, let's put it this way. Okay. I always envisioned... Do you remember the old show, uh, Wild Wild West? Yes. Um, I don't know if you remember the old TV show, which was one, then remade into a movie with Will Smith, The Wild Wild West. Nope, not the TV show. Okay. But you remember the movie? Yes. Okay. So it was James, James West and his, his um, partner, Artemis Gordon. That's right. Who were like these spies, you know, uh, secret agents. We would call it steampunk now. I guess you would. You know, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. But uh, the way that they traveled across the country, because there weren't no airplanes, really. Right. Uh, they traveled by train. Yes. And they, and they had this very stylish motor car, you know, that they were traveling. I see us on the Michaud mission on a train. Okay. And every stop is another. It is route. another stop. I like that. That's That's the imagery that comes to my mind. I like that. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to know whether or not it was I hadn't given it much thought, but now now I have to think about it. You don't have to. I mean, you know, you know it's the kind of thing I like to think about. Okay. My wife and I, we said when we, were, when we retire, we're going to get an RV and drive across the country and solve low key mysteries, like very low stakes mysteries. Really, like go to towns and it's like you know the the the, the town high school's mascot is missing or. You know, there's a pie contest, and Mrs. Smith is accused of stealing Mrs. Jones's recipe. key lime pie recipe. And, you, you know, there's a misplaced locket. Like, you know, we'll have those kind of low-key mysteries. And then, like, at the end of the, of the season, there'll be, like, a murder, and nine people will be dead, and we'll have to solve that. <laughs> wow. So when we retire... That's that's something to so you know to. so you know I think I do I, I think about these things. That's interesting. Welcome to the show, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the show, Ashley. This is exactly what it is. Is it right here in a nutshell? It, it's coming at you. My dog is missing, and then you know we kind of for the dog. <laughs> so quick call, Mister and Mrs. Williams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, right. Something very low key. It'll be like heart to heart. You know, look very low. And when they got together, it was murder. <laughs> you like that, right? Yeah. You like that. You weren't you were ready for that. I was not ready for it. Yeah. I was not ready to go yeah. back into the eighties with yeah. heart to heart. Yeah. 
And Ashley is like, who are these old ass guys? I know these things. I have pa- parents. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Ooh, nice. Very nice. I used to watch what they watched. So Ninth. <laughs> I'm not as young as I look. <laughs> okay. Uh, very, very kind of you. We have an uh, email. All right. Actually, a message on Facebook from robert monroe robert. what's up robert he's a typing man he's made a lot of stops um he says that uh three the hard way is his and his brother's favorite black exploitation movie that's a good one they have that's all the a movie, good one they have all the movie posters hanging in their homes and he asked uh he said I- i'm so glad you guys are reviewing queen of catway my family and I couldn't see it last week because we were all sick, but I was really upset that it wasn't doing well in the theaters. Right, what right. What happened right. to all the blacker than thou Negroes who wanted oh to see boy. something other than <laughs> slave movies? I mean, it just goes to show that they're yeah. talking mess and weren't going to the movies anyway. Yeah, I mean, hasn't that been the argument for 30 years about putting our money where our mouth is? I mean, I think that's always been the argument. You, you know, we we talk, and then that's part of the reason that somehow I've found myself as a champion of Tyler Perry. You know, his people put their money where their mouth is. We we talk about better product. We talk about supporting better um, movies and better things. And then you know, a lot of us don't put up, put our money where our mouth is. So, what do you have to say to that, Ashley? I think it's probably more, more more so about content because you see a lot of uh, uh, push for Luke Cage and all these other television properties more so. So I don't know if that's that's a part of the issue that like the content of the film may not be as appealing to a broader black audience. Like that's that's really hard to say because you don't really because everyone everyone is different. But I I I would probably say that's part of the issue. But I wouldn't put it all on black people. Were you interested in seeing Queen of Catway? Not in the theater, no. I mean, that's... A, that's I don't know if that... I mean, what was that, Lynn? Why are you just going to put her on a spot like that? I think that was it. I think... Why? Was that putting you... Did I put you on the spot? No, I had an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pump. Yes, I just asked a question. All right. And, and I think it was interesting. She said, not in, a, not in the theater. Why so? Well, because... Well, I'm here because of horror. So, like, my thing is, like, I'm going to put my I'm honestly I'm going to really like go out of my way to see genre stuff in the theater for the most part Mm -hmm. you know I and because I'm poor so that's another thing (laughs) like I can't really afford to go to the theater so it's a lot easier to either wait for you know Amazon Prime and or and you know rent it for three dollars than you know go see it for twelve fifteen dollars which I just do not have right now literally so (laughs) that's another issue that's a good point though like I do think a lot of these movies I don't know if they recoup their budgets on Netflix or, you know, Redbox, but well, yeah, but yeah. I, I do know a lot of um a lot of black films do better on the other streams. That's true because like to Ashley's point, it, it's more increasingly the genre films are the ones that people feel like are I don't want to say worthy, or, but the ones that they want to have that big screen appearance. Right, uh, you know, experience, right, you know, right, for the for the flash and glamour of it all. Whereas a more quiet film or a uh, more sentimental film like Queen of Catway, you know, some people just as well as see that on a Sunday afternoon while they're sitting there folding their clothes, 
you know. Right, um, right. Uh, as something to watch counter to your husband downstairs watching a football game. Well, you know, I think we name-checked Akil and the Bee when we talked about it, and yes. I think it'll play like that, where, you know, I've seen Akil and the Bee probably seven times just because I have a daughter and it's on the Disney Channel, and, you know, right. it's something everybody can watch. So. Yeah. And this is a Disney film, quite mm-hmm. that way. So there you go. It'll, it'll right. find its way. It'll, it'll, Disney certainly has enough outlets to the, pump it out there. Exactly. Uh, Robert continues. He says that... He said, Hey, I had to turn off the podcast, the review of Queen of Catway, because he was here at work tearing up at your description of the end of the movie when the actors and the people they're playing appear on the screen. Yeah. Which was a very powerful moment. It was. It was. Uh, he said, I've known. Uh, bu- 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 oh, now he's going on talking about David Walker. He's, he's just I think he's talking about our review of Death by Temptation, which we did. OK, to OK. Kick off our month of horror. Uh, he's, he's talking about I know David Walker since he was publishing Badass Mofo and finally met him last weekend when he was signing at a comic book store near me. Right. right. We were talking about Shaft. And- yeah. Yeah. Um, he's just right. You know, Robert is like Randy, Arson, the voice of reason. He's listening to the show and he's dropping right, his little right, comments right, like right. in time. I'm there though. I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with him. He says that John Canada Terrell is also known as uh, Saud Ibles, porn actor. <gasps> I saw he wrote that in the letter. Yeah. Who is he really a porn actor? I think what? he's a porno star too. I mean, he, he can't be a porno star anymore. I, I mean, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Pardon the pun, but that's a good pull, Robert. That's a good pull. Wow. He's a porn star. That's <laughs> why you got to love his podcast. You never know what you're going to find out. Wow. Do you think that's really true? I think No, I, no, I think it's true. Mm-hmm. Like I did the I went I did the exact same thing you did. Like I think I saw when he had posted on Facebook, and I looked it up real quick, and I said, "Oh," and then like you know, I, gotta, I looked at something else. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, right? I gotta I gotta look this up. I can't believe he is also. Um, he was in the nineteen eighty eight. Can you um, say the name of the movie he was in? Because I thought the I name can. of the movie was a little... Well, well, from what I'm seeing here, I, I can. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you saw another movie. It, this sounds like it was like one of those compilations. Let, let me look. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> well, you know, they have compilations. I don't know if you're, you're aware of the porn right, genre. Right, actually... I'm aware there's compilations. <laughs> and now you just finished telling us we're going to be on the radio. And... Uh, yeah, yes. I... He was in Afro Erotica 21. Okay. All right, a continuing series apparently. Yes, <laughs> he got in on the twenty-first one. This is Saud Yes, interesting. All right. Okay. Well, the the <laughs> wonders never cease. Okay, let's continue on. Uh, did you know that Minnie Gentry, who was in Death by Temptation? Yes, her great grandson is Terrence Howard. <laughs> no, no, I didn't know that. No, I I did not know that. This <laughs> Robert Monroe is filled with the factoids. This letter, yes, he is. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about um, Jordan Peele's movie Get Out. 
yeah, that looks good. That trailer looks good. Yeah, um, he's talking about how that looks like it's look like it's going to be a great black horror movie. That yeah. be the next great black horror movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're hoping. Yeah, it looks the the trailer looks really good. If I'm reading the plot, like I'm reading it from the trailer. Yeah, that really looks. Uh, yeah. Pretty darn dope. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that big time. Um, okay, I think that may be the extent of the feedback. Okay. Which is more than enough. Hey, I'm always. Oh, wait a minute! No, it's not. We got an email. I knew. Okay. We, I knew we had one other thing. Hold on one second as I go to the email here. And yes, this was in regards to Death by Temptation, which is a trauma film. Okay. Right, right, right. A trauma production. Yes, I think. Yeah. Good evening, Michelle Missionaries. All right. I just listened to the Death by Temptation episode. There was one word in the description of the film that made me ignore your advice about not watching it. Okay. The word is trauma, as in Trauma Studios. I am a fan of the trauma films, though I have not seen all of them. As a teenager, it was easy to pick up a film like Toxic Avenger or Class of (sighs) Nukem High. I love both of those movies. Though they are (laughs) shock flesh. Yes. In the best sense of the word, and more than entertaining to an adolescent version of myself. Trauma films tend to suffer in both acting and budget. Watch Poultry Geist. Mm. Are you familiar involved. with Poultry Geist? I am. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> There's also Tromeo and Juliet. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you are nice. Watch Poultry Geist if you want to see something truly awful. There is a charm in the effort. Also, Death by Temptation might be one of the highest production valued trauma films that I have ever seen. Which is not, saying something. I'm not saying it's a good film, just a better budget than others from the studio. There are also some better acting than in trauma films. I can also see how I can also see how house style affected the film. Those weird plot jumps have a lot to do with the trauma house style than possibly with James Bond III's direction style. Watch Tromeo and Juliet. Well, there you go. There you go. (laughs) Also with Lloyd Kaufman as a producer to see where James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, got his start. There's a bit of a difference once trauma is out of the mix. Also, if Candyman is a black film, then would The Serpent and the Rainbow also count? A white anthropologist goes to Haiti to learn about the use of zombie powder to use as a possible uh, aesthetic. Keep up the great work. It wouldn't be a Michelle mission without you, Len. Signed, Joseph Lechuga. Oh, thank you, Joe. Yeah. See, I have fans too. Oh, hey, man. I'm, I'm, you're sitting next to one. You want to answer that, Ashley? <laughs> uh, I would say no. Because? <laughs> not. Because it is based on, loosely based, I would say, on Wade, Wade Davis's life. And he was a white man exploring the deep jungles of the black, of, of, of black Haiti, I guess, I guess you would say. It, right. it's, it wasn't a movie that centered on any of the characters who were of color in that film. And I love Wes Craven, but it was, you know, directed by him and, you know, had his vision and his and his eye on it and was about Bill Pullman's character so no it's not I mean 
it, you can argue that it deals with them with uh, the culture of Haiti at the time. Uh, it deals with uh, spiritual customs that some people delve into in Haiti. Mm-hmm. You could argue that, but it's not a black horror film. And I would even argue that Candyman is not a black horror film, which I know. Oh, I would argue it is. So when we do it, you have to come back. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I will agree with you about Serpent in the Rainbow, though. I don't right. think it's a black horror film. No, no, me, me neither, me neither. But that that was an interesting pull there, Joseph. I appreciate it. Yes, yes, really absolutely. Let, let me ask you this, Ashley, before we get into Ganjan Hess. Um, what, in your consideration, is the best horror film of the last last year? Last year, yeah. The Invitation. The Invitation. Yes. Interesting. Um, which what is that one about? Uh, it will well, first. It was written and directed by Karen Kusama, and it was basically about um, a, a friend of mine who I was talking to, who's also a, a horror director, black female. Also, she does. Did I just say horror? Yeah, she does horror. Um, we were just talking about it. And she made a really good point about the film. She said the monster of that film is grief, and I would agree. It's about uh, a group of friends who get together for a, a dinner, like a dinner party in the Hollywood Hills, and then things kind of escalate from there, and and then bloody violence um not too graphic but it ends pretty uh pretty tragically when Mm. you know i I don't want to give give too much away because it is a very simplistic film but i think it's also a film that really uh it it really goes into what the character what the characters are experiencing experiencing inside of them and i think that's what's the most i think that's what gives the movie its dread and its tension is the interactions with with you know these people and how they deal with the grief that everyone is kind of well not everyone but the main characters are pretty much harvesting especially the main guy who's in the film so i don't want to give too much away because i don't i hate spoiling movies especially movies that are relatively new so but it's definitely worth checking out okay the invitation. invitation that's a cool one yeah now vince is not he's squeamish he's not a big horror film see i'm not squeamish i just know what i like and i know what i don't like there's no squeam. I have clear lines. Yes. The devil, ghost, kids, puppets. That's most. That's like. That's a lot. Yeah, it's like, it's a lot. It is, could I watch the invitation? Oh, absolutely. See, there you go. <laughs> wow. I'm thinking about what you just said. The devil. The devil. Kids. Uh-huh. You skip ghost. Ghost. <laughs> puppets. Puppets. Wow, there's a, you couldn't. There's a lot you couldn't watch. Puppets slash dolls. Wow, there's a lot you couldn't. Watch. I'm just saying. Wow, so you're you gonna know. have a hard time with tales from the hood. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. But you know, for the for the sake of the mission. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, let me ask you real quick um, before we get into this. We did Death by Temptation last week by James Bond the Third. James Bond the Third. What were your thoughts on that film? Well, because I like the concept of black horror films, uh, I like I own that film. I, I like it for what it is. I understand. Like I listened to the episode last week, and I pretty much agree with everything you said. It's not a good movie, but I, I because I'm a scholar and a bit of a historian when it comes to this stuff. Um, I I like what it. 
I like its imprint on black horror history. Like I like that it harkens back to the 30s and 40s uh, uh, race films and when they were playing with genre elements with, you know, the good versus evil and, you know, God and the devil and all that types of stuff. So I, I like I like it. I like where it is um, coming out in the early 90s and kind of being a call back to that stuff. And, and you know, I in James Bond the third, right? Is, yeah. yeah, the writer yeah, director. Him. Yeah, so you know he's a Christian man, so that, that's clearly his voice is clearly in the film, for better or worse. But you know it, it, it's it's his, and so especially if we're talking about kind of the resurgence or so eh, resurgence, I guess you would call it that of, of quote black horror in the nineties. It, it's it's a it's if you want. I feel like I would recommend it for people who want that full context of what, you know, black horror is and it's and how important it is in the history of what we consider black horror. So, okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's our feedback. Uh, feel free to, as I said, if you have emails, email us at Michelle mission at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at mission Michelle or hit us up and like us on Facebook. We really appreciate it. We really do. We um, let's get into our review of 1973's Ganja and Hess. I had a strange dream last night. I dreamed you murdered me. and survive without God's or society's sanction. I will not be tortured. I will not be punished. I will not be guilty. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserve thee body and soul for everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee. Experimental horror film written and directed by Bill Gunn, starring, starring Marlene Clark and Dwayne Jones, a film that follows the exploits of anthropologist Dr. Hess Green Jones, who becomes a vampire after being stabbed by his intelligent but unstable assistant, played by Bill Gunn, with an ancient cursed dagger. Green falls in love with his assistant's widow, Ganja, who learns Green's dark secret. Ashley. We always ask when a guest picks we, a movie. Why did you select Ganja and Hess? And what does this movie mean to you? 
I picked this movie because I wanted to kind of deviate from what would be typically, I guess, kind of sought after this Halloween season. Like, you know, especially since we're talking about this film in depth, like I wanted to do something. I didn't want to do Candyman. I didn't want to do what people would quote unquote probably expect. I wanted to do something that was challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to do something that is still a genre film, a horror a horror film in particular, but something that really expands our ideas and our concepts of what horror is, especially black horror. Yeah. So that's why I picked it. For me, I don't, I think, I think I, I love this film because of the fact that it's so challenging. Like for me, film has always been about, you know, it's been about feeling and mood and atmosphere. And if a movie is not, you know, doesn't spoon feed me a story or doesn't spoon feed, feed me you know what these characters are supposed to be like no it, i want i like when movies talk back to me and tell me you know like well, what do you think well how does how does this how do you interpret this film what does it mean to you what does it mean in the broader context of our world not just you know every you know everything within you but what uh, also what's outside of you and so that's why i picked this film and i think because i think this film does that to a t it is not for everyone mm. <laughs> it is not a movie i would recommend for everyone but it is a movie that it dabbles with genre elements and i and again i for me, as a as far as representation and diversity, I just want to see black folks just being regular. Like, I want us to just be, you know, people having, you know, conversations and just doing very mundane things. Because you see that with white folks in films and other, yes, you know. Right. So I want us, I've always wanted to see, I always wanted to race bend some of my favorite things like Seinfeld and things like that. Like, I want us to be a part of that too because I think but also we have a particular um, we have we have cultural signifiers that kind of speak to us as African Americans and just black folks as, in general and so I kind of like Ganja and Hess for those things okay dope okay you know I think I love this movie oh <gasps> yes I think I love you, you know there were a couple of things that happened with this movie that you know we've been doing this not quite a year yet but there were a couple of things that happened when I watched this movie that have not happened with any other movie. The first thing is I wanted to watch it again hmm. immediately. Like I wanted to put it right back on. And the second thing is I actually dreamed about it. Really? Oh, wow. And and I think, you, you know, I when, when I looked at reviews and, and kind of read some of the scholarship on I think I dreamed about it because Bill Nunn had this, you, you know, I think the... um. The description that I read more than any other was painterly, like he sort of painted almost these portraits. And and I was trying to think, well, first and foremost, I think it, it, it was it was really, really interesting to me that every description that you read of this movie describes it as this black vampire movie. But the word vampire is never, never used never. in the entire movie. So. And, and and I know I read an interview where Bill Gunn said he didn't want to make a vampire movie, so he exactly. made this. And I think just sort of initially the things that interest me, I think first, just just as a seventies movie, you know, I always I always try and, and, and kind of put my hand on it by by putting it in the context of when it was made. So, you know, it's made a year after Blackula. Or at least it comes out a year after Blackula. And, you, you know, we, we've kind of talked before about William Marshall and Blackula and how he kind of, you know, makes this great effort in Black. And I think Dwayne Jones is great in this. And, you know, the fact that he's in Night of the Living Dead is just a, just another um, j just another um, sort of added benefit to it. 
but I'm fascinated by by sort of blackness and what I saw, and then I saw a couple other people saw it too, so I know I wasn't crazy. This sort of examination of integration and assimilation and this sort of blackness and what it meant at this moment. Mm-hmm. Because, you, you know, just referencing ourselves, we talked about a little bit in Claudine. We actually talked about a little bit with Roscoe Lee Brown in um, Uptown Saturday Night. Yeah. Where you have this moment where you have this big black middle class all of a sudden. And the first thing that I wrote in my notes when, you know, it, it kind of comes on and, and you see Dr. Green and, and he's this very this, this very um, well to do anthropologist and, and, and he's very distinguished and and and, you know, he's he's very well off and then when when ganja comes into the picture she's just come in from amsterdam and and you have that one scene with um with hess's son and he's speaking french and i wrote that they're all effortlessly cosmopolitan like just (laughs) effortlessly yeah yeah and as you go through the movie and and just sort of sort of how this you know I, i hate to use the term like tribal because I think that's sort such a fraught term. But when you see how the, the, the culture of, of Mirtha kind of coincides with the black church mm-hmm. and this sort of apostolic service that bookends the film, I see that this kind of struggle back and forth right. between, you, you know, this man who is part of this Western world and sort of, you know, now he's kind of against his will brought into this this ancient African world. And kind of goes back and forth. So sort of thematically that that kind of pulled me in. And then just I said, just the images were amazing. And and I just I just really, really liked it. And, you know, frankly, I'm still having a hard time putting it into words why I liked it so much. Yeah, Yeah. I I, I feel on that. Um, Despite what I found were some like like uh, like. The story structure, like you said, is challenging, and I appreciate a challenging story structure. Um, I don't. I think that. I think that this movie doesn't necessarily play fair with that structure sometimes in in its script. You know, to kind of like just drop you on some things. But despite that, I did find myself. I, I can't say that I liked the film, but I can't say I didn't like it either. I felt like I felt like wow, this was really this was really something. It was ve- it was a very interesting film. I I'm glad that I watched it. Right, um, right, I, right. I, yeah. I, I, Absolutely. I'm glad that I experienced it because it is an experience. And one of the things that stood out for me is that in the late '60s and early '70s, what you see a lot of a lot of times are um, if you look back on a, a lot of films of those times, uh, not black films, a lot of experimentation. And how they are telling the story sure. in the imagery and in a way that they are filming the movie and things like that. And that's all right here in this in this film. Um, there are there's one really cool scene where he Hess is playing with um, Ganja, mm-hmm. and they 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 come running into a hallway and they run, come running from one side of the hallway to another side of the hallway. But the camera is locked on the middle of that hallway. Mm-hmm. Right. So they go off off camera on the other right, side. Right, right, right. Kind of come back onto the onto the other side, and they're just being real playful. And then they settle in the middle, 
And they, with him sitting down, her kind of like leaned up against him, and they just look at each other. And the camera, the camera never moves from there. Right. And it wasn't a situation where this was, you know, low budget, and this is the only place that we could get this shot. That was very deliberate. Oh yeah, yeah. very deliberate because that final scene of those two. Uh, they're exhausted from having fun and exhausted from exploring one another and being in, in um, uh, and being in in love and growing together. That's what that that whole scene was all about. This movie was at its heart just about some extremely powerful images to me. The story was, you know. It, I, I feel you on the story and what it was trying to say. I don't know if it necessarily hit, hit me over the head. I was like, okay, you know, Gunn didn't really want to do a vampire story, but if I'm going to do right, a vampire right, story, right. this is the one I'm going to do. Right. And, and I, you know, to complete my thought, I think they hired him wanting another Blackula. Yes, yeah, you're right. And he kind of said, yeah, sure, and then cashed the check exactly. and then made this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And they speak to that, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, they didn't really, ha- they weren't really um, skilled in movies or, or or veterans. So, you know, he kind of like said, yeah, I got you. I got you on a good movie. Right, right. And, and, he, and he gave him, he gave him a, a hell of a movie. Yeah. He, he truly did. Um, and another thing, not for nothing, Without it being overt or even close to pornographic or anything like this, this may have one of the best love scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's absolutely no music or anything. It's just two black bodies intertwined. Yeah. Filling up the screen. I I was like, whoa. I love this. And Dwayne Jones, to your point, who I enjoyed The Night of the Living Dead, but more more to the point, I'm just getting off on the craziness of that movie. Right. It's a shame this is his. Uh, his I know. I yeah. know. We say that so much on because this show. Because there, it, he is a very charismatic. Oh. Oh yeah. Actor. You know, uh, I don't think he's. You know, I don't like. I said the, the script maybe lets him down a little bit, but you can see in his in his, in his demeanor. And what he's bringing to this role, he he is leaving it on the table. Same for Marlene Clark; she's having fun in this. Oh, movie. absolutely! She is ha- having a ball. Yeah. in this movie. Oh yeah, you know, this was uh, it, it was a very very um, intriguing, challenging piece of work, and I guess it's horror. Right. I actually want you to talk about it as a horror movie. Yeah, like, what do you think? I think well, a couple of things. Again, I think a part of it is subjective for me. But, I, uh, but you know, I guess I, I first of all, I kind of come off of the idea that it's always been pitched to me as a horror film. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also it, it plays with genre elements enough for me to consider it a horror film yeah. or you can yeah. call it genre. But like, you know, him being addicted to blood, like, you right. know, but he's, but he's, quote, not a vampire and all those kinds of things. So I think like the the actuals of the film kind of make me say okay you can you can definitely consider this a horror movie or a genre film right 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 and just because you know surface. yeah right, the fact right. that he's he becomes immortal and the fact that he can you know convert you know ganja and in, in, as into someone who's immortal as well right uh also um 
again, I think when I talk, when I mentioned the invitation, I like how horror will play to people's insecurities and people's own personal fears. And I, the biggest, I think one of the best essays I've ever wrote, if I do say so myself, was about um, the relationship between um, Ganja and um, Dr. Hess Green and I th- that, that kind of romance that they develop. And I think a lot of it, it is based in their own each other's own sense of uh, loneliness and that fear mm. of, you know, that fear of isolation and what it can do to someone and how it can, you know, and the dependency that they kind of thrive on with, with it, with each other. And I mm-hmm. think that's really important. And I think that's a, I think that's a horror component or a fear that I know I definitely have. And I know that probably others have too. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's kind of, presented to us in that film i think it's very very important um and, and it spoke to me personally okay i think i think my favorite scene or favorite sequence in the entire film is that monologue that ganja gives yes. where, about the snowball fight in mm-hmm. her mother and 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 i think you're right i think that that sort of that loneliness and that need for that need for security mm-hmm. and, and that need for community so that, you know, it made the end very powerful for me Be, because um, she made a different decision. Right. She made a different decision. And, and, and I was, you know, it was a decision talking about genres like the end of the film actually made me think that this would be a great beginning of like an Octavia Butler novel. Yo. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, this community like you, she's about to build a community and she's the matriarch. Right. So, but so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on on that. You know, the fears and 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 he just seemed tired. You know, he just yeah. seemed tired from the very beginning. So mm-hmm. that it 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 yeah, is a weary. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jacquees Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco? Vince, with your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's that's very true. And a general disconnect, even though, regardless of his relationship with um, Ganja, it was still, he he felt like he still had his mind made up from the beginning. Right, right. See, that's one of the parts where I thought that it didn't play fair to me because I didn't feel, while I did feel the weariness in the beginning, Mm -hmm. I felt that his relationship with Ganja was kind of like a rejuvenation of a sort Mm. for him. So, so much so that when he then does go to the church at the end, you know, and you see that weariness again, I'm like, well, where's that coming from? Because it maybe was just like two scenes before you were mad happy, you know? So I, I, so that's one of the parts where I felt that it didn't, 
necessarily play fair with, with me because um, I, I I didn't that that final scene that final you know uh, going to the church and just giving in I I didn't I didn't feel it was earned by the film. That's interesting because I felt it was because again I th- I thought I thought one of the um consistent characteristics of his personality throughout is that he was just sort of I thought I thought disconnected was a really good verb because you know even in the scenes where he kills people mm-hmm. it was all very abstract and and you know it, it's just sort of you know he's 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 a part of the action but he's not directing the action like i thought it was notable that the the most um like you talk about him being playful with ganja but the most emotive he was to me was at the end where he sort of gave him you know he kind of you know joined the church basically like during the altar call mm. and you know he kind of pulls his shirt open and and he you know frolicking through the field right right mm-hmm. right so I had a different read. Okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. You, you 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 had your different read. Mm-hmm. Um, you're entitled to be wrong, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the beginning of this film, you have, like you said, the bookend. So you have the church, and you have his chauffeur narrating mm-hmm. um, surf chauffeur played by Sam uh, Wayman Wayman mm-hmm. who actually did the music in a movie. Mm-hmm. and there was a part of me that was a little let down because I really liked him I thought his narration was very plain spoken he was um, and he was talking about how he was a uh, you know he was a pastor at this church which was a very lively scene it was like one of the most um, um, authentic church scenes I've I've seen mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, it was a great scene. Yeah, I love those scenes. Yeah, and, and then but he also spoke to you know the, these weren't the super churches of the of the nineties. So he was like, yeah, I also do part time as this chauffeur driver, right? You know, for for this doctor. Um, I really enjoyed that, and I, I, um, hearing that, I was ready to settle in. For his perspective oh. on this story, um, and when it's lost for the entire rest of the movie, um, I, I kind of I, I kind of got over it. Once you go, once you get through the whole assistant thing with with Billy Gunn, because all of that I could really have done. It, it, was, it was a little. All right, let's get to the get to the show mm-hmm. here. Uh, once we got through that, I, I was all in for Doctor Hess and and Ganja, but up until then, I was waiting for for the pastor to come back. I like I want to hear him. I want to see. Now him. that actually speaks to a question that I had. I, I guess a twofold question. First, I watched the version on Amazon Prime okay. that they said that they kind of put together from the two. 35 millimeter copies that he gave to the museum the original director's cut well they said that the uh, the original director's cut was lost and they kind of put it together and then you know there was a so which version did you watch i have i have a, i have my own copy so i have what the she moma put together okay yeah. <laughs> no not my own version but i have the one yeah that moma um curated okay the moma one right and do you know 
because it seems like you know we're we're new to Ganjiness. Do you know of any significant difference between the MoMA version and Gun's original? That cut? I don't know. I okay. know. I I guess I don't know how lost it is, and um, I I know someone who's talked to a couple of people who's worked on the film, so she would she has better knowledge of of the uh, of the production than me. But mm-hmm. I know it's been cut multiple times and had multiple uh, right, right. titles so but yeah the only the only copy that i'm not i have knowledge of is the one that's out and available for purchase for dvd blu-ray whatever okay. i'm trying to give bill gunn the benefit of the doubt and say in the incongruity here is because they chopped up his film yeah and that you have to take that into consideration that's very true yeah that's, that's true that's very true good point good point there. all right because um, I was confused at first with the um, with the 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 um, the text okay. at the beginning that kind of told you, told you what happened, mm-hmm. and I thought the film was going to pick up right after the text, and then I you know I was like fifteen minutes into the movie when I realized oh they're going to show us what the text is telling us, yeah. so that was kind of confusing to me. And then, as you said, the driver kind of introduces himself as someone who's going to be an element of the film, yeah. And then he's not. So, but the, yeah, the first time I watched it, I, I think I had the same reaction too. And then I kind of, yeah, kind of, it kind of ignored it or glossed over it and got to. The, and when the movie got to the meat of what it was going to be, I totally, I totally forgot. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of. I, I don't know if it's because. Bill Gunn was a playwright, and I think you see a lot of that influence in this yes. film. Yes, so he's kind of just that narrator that comes in the beginning, and that influence that kind of c- comes back around towards the end. Yeah, so that's, that's probably what what it was. Yeah, and and it, him being a playwright shows in a lot of the scenes, especially especially unfortunately in that beginning scene mm-hmm. with right, him right. assistant, because it is so you know dialogue heavy. Um, he tries to have. I think he realizes it's dialogue heavy, so that's why he tries to be a little interesting in his shot selection, and sometimes having them framed with a lot of negative space there, or to show the grandeur of where they, where they live. It was, you know, I think they actually shot this. Um, oh, was it in a hospital or? I can't remember. They they shot it in some place that allowed them to have such ornate scenery in there, right. and it worked. It, it, it certainly- well, I know. I thought I know. You know, it was a mansion yeah. in upstate New York, mm-hmm. and the Brooklyn Museum. That's right. That's yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it had a dreamlike quality too. Like like you were talking about the um, the scene where they run off camera and, and then they center, and you have those time slips every yeah. now and then. And and you know that kind of that and like the the old Rolls Royce and and the, it was all very dreamlike to me, mm-hmm. and you know it kind of had dream logic, where you kind of wake up and say that didn't make sense, but at the time it, it was perfect. So yeah, that's true. That's true. I wonder, just something that ran through my mind was the scene where you see Ganja um, towards the end when you know they they invite some some young victim over to their house and have their way with him. And Ganja has her way with him. Right. Uh, Which is very progressive. I thought that was amazingly progressive that she got to be the aggressor oh, in, in that. that, in that yeah. Whole, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But I wonder in the way that that was shot, because I love the way that, was, again, the way that he shot that, that shot their bodies. But you started seeing them as they got more and more into it and more and more intense. You started seeing, like, you know, the perspiration on them and then, like, this whole glistening off, off of their bodies. And I wonder if that was in any way, I may sound weird, like an influence for the whole Twilight series. <laughs> I ne- that never crossed my mind. Right. Ever. It crossed my mind. It crossed my mind. The sparkle thing. That's what it's all about. It's is it making the connections. So, you know, vampires and everything. I don't know how much Stephanie Myers was watching avant garde early seventies black horror movies. Yeah. But I, I but I yeah. don't know. You would be surprised. Ganja and Hess is one of those films that people re- do revisit. Right, you know, right. It's been re- one of those, one of the few, you, we talk about, you know, uh, how few black films are reconsidered. Right, right, now, right, right. Nowadays. And this is one of the films that has been. And, you know, I have to say, in full disclosure, I think I've known about this movie personally maybe two years and the only reason i even heard of it was because spike lee remade it and they said oh it's a remake of this vampire movie called ganja and hess and i was like what what is got and then you know the other thing i realized is that i recognized bill gunn because he was on two episodes of the cosby show all roads lead back to Cosby with you. All roads lead to Cosby and Spike Lee. I mean, it really is amazing how many roads lead there. But yeah, he was um, he was Cliff's father's friend who came over and cheated at cards. You know exactly what I'm talking about now, though, don't you? Yes, yes, I do know what you're talking. They were playing hearts, and he was cheating. And then they talked about World War II. That was Bill Gunn. Very good. Bill. <laughs> I'm just saying. Very, very, very good. Say something, Vince. He was also in the second episode <laughs> where they were talking about Jackie Robinson and Cliff's. Remember Cliff's uh, boy who was also a doctor, but he was West Indian and they played Patonk together? He was over, and all of them were talking about baseball, and he couldn't relate because he was I, – I forget where he was from, but he didn't watch baseball, and then he made them listen to cricket stories. So you're like the encyclopedia of Cosby. Not – well, you know, I, I, I watched a lot of TV. Let's talk about Marlene Clark. <laughs> you know where you know her from? Where, Vince? She played Janet. She was Lamont's fiance. And you and I know her because she was in Putney Swope. I do remember her from Putney Swope. Was she Janet? She was Janet. I, I could have sworn. Well, first of all, I think there was like, wasn't there like more than one Janet? No, there was one Janet. There was only one Janet? Yeah. And it was, it was Marlene Clark? Marlene Clark. Okay. But yeah, let's talk about, you know. I've, let's speak, I've, about, let's speak you know, about her. We've done the ridiculous. <laughs> Now let's move to say, the sublime. Yeah, because I mean, you're, since you're since you're dropping her resume, she was in The Beast Must Die. She was also in Beware the Blob. She was in Night of the Cobra Woman. So she worked. She has she's a sense of her. <laughs> yes, she does. Wow, she, she really does. She that's what she did a lot. Um, I, she's one of those people who was uh, unsung to me. I wish she has gotten yeah. more recognition and exposure. I mean. 
first of all, I just physically alone, I think she's one of the most beautiful women I've ever laid my eyes on. She's absolutely gorgeous. And I, I think I, I, I love her performance here. It's, again, it's, you know, maybe this is a simple word, but it is complex. It's, you know, it, it's, a, it's abrasive. It's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that Bill and her brought all of those elements into into that performance or into that character. Like you saw all of that in this one film. And that to me I don't think it's I want to say rare, but I don't know, but it it's something especially when I first saw this for the first time, it was, it was something very new to me. I didn't especially see a black female character be so raw. Yeah. That was one of the first times I saw. Yeah. That. Yeah. And and you know, and again, I, I like that that, you know, she had a separate agenda from Hess by the end. Like I like I lo- like I lo- like, you know, the, the 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 film swerves and I, I know you said you don't like spoilers, we do spoilers. <laughs> you know, where where Ganja decides that this life isn't I mean, where Hess decides this life isn't for him and he asks her to join me, you think you're headed towards this immortal love sort of romantic ending and she says no and then when the film ends and that victim that you just talked about mm-hmm. comes back and she has that I mean I, I like this the final shot is one of the images that I dreamed about mm-hmm. where she looks directly at the camera and you see this little smile it's just this little smile and he jumps over the body of Archie yes. which which is you, you know Hess's um butler or manservant whatever but kind of represents everything we were talking about early where where Hess is very much you know established and and he's very rich but it, but it's this it's this sort of oldness about everything about him and and you, you know it's this sort of um this mannered almost european mode to the way he lives like like you could write you're talking about an essay you could write an essay on the interactions between Archie and Hess and and you know how the film almost um fetishizes how Archie brings out the service and and pours the tea and gives him his cigarette and would you like this and he sets the flowers and it is it's like something out of a 19th century novel 19th century you know english manners novel almost and and it it's it's these two black men you know you don't want to say playing dress up but they very much have these old english manners and then you know as you say ganja comes in and she's a modern woman and she's new and she's vibrant so that when it ends and and hess decides to die and ganja's not through living yet so yeah, I re- as you can no. tell, I really love that character. No, I love the way it ended too. Yeah. And I'm glad it ended that way because you saw. I, I read the scene where he's asking her to come with him. She, she, it, it's almost hesitant. Like she's considering it. Like there's something. I think she's was for me the, the look on her face read that I'm still in the middle on this and and maybe maybe not. But even but but then i watched that ending and i'm just like well she seemed it seemed definitive because you talked about the look on her face and i i could see that for sure and even reading her throughout the entire film but still i i, I still read a little bit of twinge of doubt mm-hmm. during that scene when the shadow is, is caught is cast on him by the cross so 
Archie played by <laughs> Now you, you notice my restraint, right? I'm glad you, you noticed you I didn't just, say it. Just went for it. You noticed I didn't say it. I was well <laughs> because you know I'm all about Leonard Jackson. Yes, we are. Marcus, you devil. Thank you very much. That's my Leonard Jackson from Boomerang. <laughs> I gave it to you. I, I, I know, I know, but I was trying to be good. I went, you know, with Bill Gunn in the Cosby show, so I was trying to be good. <laughs> But it's yes, good. it's all good, man. Um, I like that scene at the end too, where she gives like the, the sly little smile, mm-hmm. um, and you know she is prepared to just wreck shop. I mean, as much as he didn't want to make this movie, he set himself up. If he ever wanted to return to this film or if anybody ever wanted to right. to return to right. this film and continue that story along. Um it 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 is it is there and it would be a very interesting um piece of commentary on black women at at that time or whatever time you choose oh, to yeah. place her. Um, it would it, it would open yourself up to a, a whole world of of conversation and exploration that you could make with that character. Uh, like you said, she could very well be. This could very well be like the start of an Octavia right. uh, Butler um, movie series or television series. Octavia Butler's last book, Fledgling, was actually about vampires. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, I myself, you know, I go to the worlds of comics. I couldn't help but, you know, you know, pay notice to that they were both, quote unquote, day walkers. So I'm thinking, <laughs> right? Is this not the parents of Blade made me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. All right. So, so that's 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 what I was thinking, you know. But then you know, my man died, and I was like. Um, another way that this movie was very progressive, I think, for at its time, and you two will maybe correct me if I'm wrong, in that there is, like we said, we talked about the, the there are sex scenes, and with sex scenes there are there is some nudity, but there's yes. very little fleeting nudity of her body. Mm-hmm. There's guys. A lot of full frontal. There's a lot of full lot frontal. of full frontal. I don't think there's as much as you think that there is. It's, it's Honey, just it's there, just very much. There is just, a brother that is literally <laughs> because I think running to the camera. It's the last and scene. It's the last scene. I may be exaggerating a little bit, but I believe that scene is 45 minutes. <laughs> I believe he's running for 45 minutes. You're exaggerating. Are you sure? I, I'm positive. Am I exaggerating? Because more I like, felt like it was 45 minutes. More like 45 seconds. I think it was Ganja and Hess and him. Ganja and Hess and him running for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there there is there are uh, like one or two other scenes of yeah. full frontal. And I don't have anything. Uh, there's nothing no, wrong with yeah. that. But I'm just thinking about how progressive this film is. Right, right. Oh, yeah. um, to have done that in 1973. It actually, it actually feels very theatrical. Like, like I feel yeah. like mm-hmm. his theater background. That's Absolutely. Exactly what yeah. I'm saying like, yo, you've got to. Yeah. You've got to go with it. And, 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 and Bill Gunn gets in on the fun. 
Why, yes, yes he does. Yeah. I, was, I thought you yeah. were thinking that, too. Right. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I, I forgot about him. I'm thinking about Hess. But, yes, you're right. Yes, he, yes, he does. Right. Yeah, Bill, Bill Gunn. Um, That's an observation. It's an observation. I don't know how much of analysis, <laughs> but it's worth, you know, saying there's... It's worth saying, definitely, because it's it's always about the... The quote male gaze and the the the, he- the heteronormative male gaze on the on the woman's body as Absolutely opposed to the male right. body. So yeah, which again kind of goes into that reading that the 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 truly active participant in this film is Ganja. Absolutely. So you know you could maybe argue you could put that in a read that we're actually looking at it from her perspective. Mm-hmm. All the forty-five minutes at the end, and, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to push you too hard on this, Ash. I'm, I, I do think you should go back and check because I believe it was forty-five minutes. No seconds. <laughs> seconds. Yes, Mabel funny. King. Mabel King. Yes, Mabel King is in is as in the, the Queen of Mirthia. Yeah. Now, yes. Mirthia. Mirtha. I think it's Mirthia. Mirthia, right? Mirthia. Mirthia. It's always weird when you're trying to. Figure out the pronunciation of a word that's not an English word. Mm-hmm. Merthia. Merthia. So is that because uh, I don't know and I and I didn't explore it. I'm sorry. Is that a real? I I believe it is fake. Okay, so it's made for the yes. for the film. But I've heard the term before. Like I think it's one of the. It's almost like an Atlantis type thing mm-hmm. where oh, okay. you know I've heard this term before as okay. an ancient black civilization. This is a really. This is a very cool film. It it cool film. again. It is like I almost feel like the scholarly part of me feels like I shouldn't even be talking about it because I haven't read it enough. Read it. No. See, there you go. I haven't watched it enough. But exactly. you know, there's a Freudian slip. I haven't I haven't watched it enough. Like watching it one time isn't enough to really talk about it. I know exactly what you mean. I I was actually had a podcast conversation with someone before and I I was stumbling hard because it's a really difficult film to talk about. Now I've I've had experiences experience writing about it which has been easy it's just much easier for me but talking about it is very difficult. It's it 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 is. So, I agree with you. Especially when you know you kind of made the joke about how Gaja and Hess it's you know you might think it's like a buddy cop film. But actually, thinking of that title, Ganja and Hess, does not prepare you for what you it, have going in. And not only that, the, the title actually tips its hand a little bit because going into it, you would think the film would be called Hess and Ganja. Well, if you know that they're the names. Right, but right. But a lot of people would think that Ganja and Hess are play on words. Oh, okay. You right, think that right. Ganja is a, it's a play on is a play on like marijuana. Right, 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 right. You know, so you're not prepared. And w- so when this film comes on and you have all this imagery, uh, I think like in a, a religious idolatry that is in in the opening, you're like, well, wait a minute, you're, you're checking your CD, your DVD right, cover. Right, well, right. Wait a minute, is this not what is what, right. is the, what are we watching here? You know, um, but but you know even that like. Like I really enjoyed that contrast between all of the sort of Catholic imagery, yeah, mm-hmm. and again the black apostolic imagery, mm-hmm. and and how it contrasted and played with each other, even to the end where you have these beautiful children 
singing this traditional song, but when you listen to the words, you, you know, it's all about blood and, and, and blood, but, you know, it's just the blood of Christ, but it's blood and it's, you know, I, I just love the interplay of, of, of images and themes and, and the religion. It's a dense, it is, it's a dense text. Yeah. And I actually kind of appreciate it it bringing in those religious themes in a more subtle way mm-hmm. that it does in this film, as opposed to something like Death by Temptation, <laughs> which was very, very overt, very over the top, just like very like boom in your right. face. It's would, almost unfair to compare that, though. Would you say James Bond the Third was Tyler Perry before Tyler Perry, in a sense? Wow, that's a good. One. I mean, it, there is a there is a, and we, and we talked about it a little bit. There is a very arch morality to Death by Temptation, which makes me think of a Tyler Perry. Like you, you know, it is you know, it is very much kind of good capital G evil, and there is no texture. I, I would argue there's a there's a bit more texture in Death by Temptation because I, I think so. Bill Gunn's character and Kadeem Hardison's character. Are you know they, you know they 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 you would, and we talked about this a little bit. It's a little surprising that they end up in the role of the succubus, but I guess he's a man, so he'd be an incubus. You know the role of the incubus by the end, mm-hmm. where you know kind of theoretically they were heroes throughout. So, right. yeah, I, I I I see where you're going with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably the first time people have talked about Death by Temptation and Ganjin Hess in the same conversation now. <laughs> yeah, Boom. Michelle Mission. Probably. Y'all didn't see me. I, I put I, my hand up in a B-boy stand. I see, I see where you're going with that. Um, but as much as I wasn't a fan of Death by Temptation, I'm not going to do that to James Bond. I think I think he... The I third. He, the third. I think he colored with a little bit more grays than Tyler Perry mm, okay. uh, does. Not much more. Not much more, you know, but a, a little bit more than, than Tyler Perry does. You know what? I'm going to disagree with both of y'all. I'm going to go back to the beginning and disagree with. I think everyone should see this film. Oh, like I when think, like I when you said when you said it's film. not for everyone. I think everyone should watch this film. Well, well, okay, okay. Let me say this. I think it's a film that should be seen. Hmm. Um. I don't I don't think that everyone should see it only in that as ambitious as it is storytelling wise and with its dense themes and everything like that there are people especially with that beginning because it takes a little bit for this right to warm up mm-hmm. yeah and and there are people that are going to watch it and they're, they're going to be they're going to turn it off right away so i would just as soon as them not watch this is why i said i think there are some films and this is very much one of those films that you can turn the volume down and just look at the images so granted and you know and i think those images start fairly early like i think once you get to hess's house and you start seeing him against this backdrop and, you know, again, you, you know, I, I argue that it has this kind of dreamlike quality to it. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a little bit of a trip before you get to his house, man, because you've got to go through picking up the part, the, the assistant. And then there's and then you see this whole thing about 
um, the assistant is like walking into this mirror, and then there's people in masks, and then the <laughs> one, one lone white guy shows up. I mean, it, it, it's it's a little bit before. All right, all and right. Then some of the storytelling and editing in that in that uh, beginning is a little troublesome as well. Uh, like, I think this? the dreaming masks part was when uh, Hess was in the bed and then um, George attacks him. I think he was maybe kind so. of like dreaming in a sense. Right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, cause I can see, I see what you're saying about just turning the volume down. But then again, I'm thinking of all the, all the good dialogue that does come I in know. in spurts. I'm just trying is, to sell it. Yeah, I see. I can't because maybe it's because I've seen such mixed reception to yeah. this film. Like people mm-hmm. just, you know, quote don't get it or just flat out just don't you know give it an opportunity to you know uh, I'm gonna say fertilize. It, if it was white people in this movie, people would have gotten it and celebrated it and I worked with it. I, uh, I, I really don't know about that. I'll just say it. I really don't know. Now I will tell you what. Now I'll tell you what I think everybody. Um, should see and I think that everybody could go and appreciate if you took this film and even took this script it may need some tweaking definitely but if you took this script and you did this on a stage Mm. I think everybody could appreciate I think I think that this would play very well on a stage I really do okay I could, I could see that. I mean, it would be this grand operatic. I mean, this could be the the Black Phantom of the Opera. I could see if this done right, this could play on Broadway for years. I actually like we we didn't talk about, but that sequence with the uh, you, you know, there's the one white man in the mask, mm-hmm. and then I think um, it's the mm-hmm. assistant. The assistant is wearing the, the mask, mask, and I saw that as sort of the white world and you know the kind of symbolic of the mask that you had to wear to be in that's how i read it because i really i really did see that interplay between this sort of old african world and this western world that he was a part of and was well established so and you ever notice the music cues yes yes we haven't talked about the music the music is amazing in this thing i think that's a part of it too you I, i feel like they the the chanting comes in when he i guess we're, we're supposed to you know read that he that he's hungry or mm-hmm. that, that yeah. there's just yeah, hunger it's speaking coming. to him yeah it's speaking to him and even those images it is about yeah because you we've been talking about duality the entire time when you see mabel king it's it's i i guess on a sur- my surface interpretation is kind of calling him to you know, you know the the culture that he's a part of, or who he is, right. or who he could be. Right. You know, but he's but I, again, I feel like the the European or that 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 white world that he's a part of it has isolated him. Right. To a to 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 his detriment. Because the chanting parallels with again the church service at the beginning and the end, mm-hmm. where you you know it is that that chant and and it is very much you, you know. But do you even feel like the black church is a part of that Western world? As well? well, I think I think it's a, it's a specific type of black church. You, you know, I thought it was noteworthy that they showed the part of the service 
where you do get that call and response, where mm-hmm. the service, the sort of ritual of the service has broken down. To I mean, you know, I'm assuming everybody in this room has been to a black church before. You know how, you know, you had a service and things go. But when people start to, I mean, catch the spirit, I mean, just that saying, mm-hmm. you know, when people start to catch the spirit and it really is. And, you, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like the word tribal is fraught, but but it's very. It's 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 very I don't want to say primal, but it is very much from this place that is without ritual and without words. Mm-hmm. And and I think Bill Gunn, you know, because I think a good director does everything deliberately. I think you very much are supposed to see when he's hearing the um the call of of Murthia, and it sounds like the book ended church service. So. Mm. All right. There you go. There you go. I wanted to watch it again. I'll probably watch it again. <laughs> we should get it on record. So, if I love Ganjin Hess, should I watch The Sweet Blood of Jesus? No. <laughs> <laughs> now, The Sweet Blood of Jesus, that is Spike, Spike Lee's re- remake. remake or reinterpretation. Some, some people, or at least I've read. Yeah, it's like shot for shot. Shot for shot. In some parts, apparently. In some parts, not entirely, no. Okay. Um, I got to be honest. I barely remember the movie because I just did not enjoy my experience with it. Okay. It, I, I mean, performances alone were just very terrible. And <laughs> there's a lot of, who's, in, who's in the movie? I don't um, know. I forget his ty- Tyrone. Ty- blah, blah, blah. He has three names. I forget the lead's name. Um, Tyrone, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's the guy from... Um... <laughs> right. Yeah, you have what to look it up. What episode of Cosby was he in, Vince? I mean, I had the idea. <laughs> well, I don't know, but he was on the, uh, um, oh, what was the name? What is the I, name of the episode of That's My Mama that Randy Johnson was in, in Coming to America? The What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama. Randy Johnson. Brooklyn Heights own Randy Johnson. Now, I remember that. I'm busy looking up the sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I know Rami Malek played Arch, played the Archie character. Okay. Um, I know Snoop Pearson. I think that's her name. Yeah. She she played the she she played the sort of not really the prostitutes character okay. from Ganja and Hess. Uh, Zara Abraham played go. Ganja Ganja Hightower. Stephen Tyrone Williams. Okay. Played Doctor Hess Green. Uh, and then uh, the assistant, Lafayette Hightower, was played by Elvis Nolasco. So that's who it's in. And you said Romney Malco? Romney Malik. The Rom- guy, right, Romney Mr. Malik. Robot. Yeah. Okay. Romney Malik. He plays um, the Archie character. Right. I hate to Sen- say it. Sensual I feel like you're selling it. <laughs> like you're selling it to me a little bit. I mean, I... I... It, it's not something that I. It's not a movie that I liked. Okay. And I. It's not even. You can only compare it to Ganja and Hess because it's he it took is. from the text, mm. you know, directly. So, but it, it it doesn't have it doesn't have the same weight to it. I feel it still. It feels very not empty. Is it, it by the numbers? More so. Yeah. It was just. I. I don't know. I don't know what's because I, I like you. I think Spike Lee's a, a talent, a, a great filmmaker, and even a, a really great storyteller. My favorite Spike Lee film is Crooklyn. Um, okay, 
but this this film just seems like and it's funny because it was kick, it was a Kickstarter film, so you're thinking that he's going to really do his own thing and really bring something to it. But it was just like it, it seems like it to me. Uh, the, the Sweet Blood of Jesus felt like the movie that if you're under a, contra- a contract obligation with a studio, you have to make a movie. Like right. that's what this feels like. It doesn't feel like a movie that like he was passionate about making. Right. 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 Okay. All Interesting. right. Interesting. Well, I'm all about Ganjin Hess now. Yeah, I'm all very about. happy. So I can't sell you on the sweet blood of Jesus because your boy is in there, Thomas Jefferson Bird. Oh, he yeah, plays the bishop. I'm sorry, Ashley. I mean, That's yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, I right. wanted, I want you to see it. I want to hear all your right, opinion, right, but I, I wouldn't watch. recommend well, it. We have no choice because we're going to watch all of them. I don't right. know if you've heard our tagline. <laughs> so, 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 what's our what's our verdict on this? Our verdict is, I would say, watch it. I would say watch it. Yeah. I would absolutely say watch. And, I'm going to say watch it. And Ashley in the third chair. And, and uh, I thank you for bringing this to us. Oh, you're very welcome. You know, I'm, I'm really glad you liked it. I did. So I really do appreciate that. And if you liked Ashley, ladies and gentlemen, there's more. <laughs> She'll be back next week as we continue on our uh, trek through horror films this, uh, this fine October. Next week, we will be getting into 1995. Tales from the Hood. Tales from the Hood, which has Satan, the devil. Yes. Children. Yes. Dolls. Yes. And does it have ghosts? And mm-hmm. there is a ghost. There's a monster. Yeah. There is a ghost. Yeah. All of Vince's favorite things. But just to break the rule and talk about a movie before we talk about a movie, it's so terrible that it's not scary. <laughs> of course i haven't seen it probably since 95 so let me stop talking all right yes yeah, yeah, yeah. i haven't seen it since it's terrible time. i wouldn't yeah. say that it's terrible yeah no but we'll i guess we'll talk about that on the Find next episode what, well say next week all right all right here on the michelle mission thank you ladies and gentlemen um this show as you have found it is available on itunes where you are invited to leave us a ranking or a rating because that helps people find the show it's also available on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and every place and any place that you find your good podcast. As well as you can find Girls Are... Girls Will Be Ghouls. Girls Will Be Ghouls, <laughs> starring Ashley. And who's your partner on there? Xena. Uh, she is she is the web hostess blogger of therealqueenofhorror.com. Nice. And, Excellent. And, and Ashley is the blogger of graveyard shift sisters yes uh so girls will be ghouls podcast where they talk about the intersexuality <laughs> i probably said that wrong <laughs> of You're black horror or of horror You're not close. just black yeah. horror just yeah horror it's in just, general it's, it's horror it's just it's just horror, horror. <laughs> and we have a halloween episode coming up too so that should be fun so yes. if you're interested in that yeah Cool. Are you going to be focusing on any one in particular film or just? I think we are going to be covering actually for the entire episode, even with our theme discussion, it's going to be covering multiple films that nice. are Halloween related. Okay. Oh, wow. Very nice. And I will have to look for that. Absolutely. I look forward to that. All right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, um, next week, Ashley will be back as well as me and Vince hope to because from what I understand the schedule is just about done to announce to you the exact day 
and time that you will be able to hear the Michelle Mission on FM radio here in Philadelphia. Nice. So, um, if for no other reason, come back for that. Yes. All right. Uh, I'm Len. She's Ashley. And he's Vince. And in parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.